Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the VCM Quick Strike for Monday, June 27th, 2022. From Amagaski in Japan, a worker of the city there has lost a USB stick that contained the records of over half a million citizens, including personally identifiable information on those citizens. Apparently, the worker was out enjoying a night of drinking. And he had the USB stick in a bag. He later passed out from the drinking. And when he came to, the USB stick and the bag itself were gone. Not to fear, according to the article, luckily for the man, city officials said that the data contained on the drive is encrypted and locked with a password. They added that there has been no sign that anyone has attempted to access the information so far. What the article doesn't state is how they know that the data was actually encrypted on the drive and how would they know if the data on the drive was actually accessed so it's rather interesting but that's what they're saying next from the threat register they note that we're now in an era where ransomware has continued its evolution away from encrypting and then requesting a ransom to the criminals not even bothering with encrypting but rather just taking the information and extorting the organization from where they took it from for funds in order to convince the organization that they will not release the information. The reason why they're doing this is because it's just as effective. And according to the article, this shift has been going on for many months, but it's now virtually unavoidable. They go on to talk about some items and some things that you can do to help with that they do note that you should write a press release beforehand if you're hit with a ransomware attack as part of your ransomware playbook because it would become difficult to try to figure out the correct communication during the event there's other items in there that they suggest including and probably most importantly do not lie because eventually the truth does come out with these sort of items and companies do eventually recover from ransomware and why is this still happening? Why are they still able to do this? Because they are exploiting, the criminals are exploiting the same known vulnerabilities simply because these still work and don't require a heavy lift from the malware operators. And once again, a simple technology control, making sure that systems are up to date, is still the leading cause of these malware intrusions. CrowdStrike has identified a novel exploit to Mitel's voice over IP appliance. This is how the threat actors actually enter into the network. They then perform a remote code execution exploit on the Mitel appliance. Now, CrowdStrike has reported this vulnerability to Mitel, and a CVE was created. And one other aspect of this is that the threat actors performed anti-forensic techniques on the voice over IP appliance in an attempt to hide their activity. Not an indication in the article here, this blog actually from CrowdStrike as to whether or not that there is a patch in place for this. If there is not, I would imagine that there would be one coming soon. But again, if you're a Mitel shop, you might want to take note. In privacy news, from J.D. Serpa, new law in Colorado restricts the use of facial recognition technology by government agencies. The Colorado Governor Polis 
signed this legislation on June 8th. It's aimed at limiting the use of facial recognition technology by the agencies and state institutions of higher education. It requires these agencies and institutions to provide an accountability of reporting on how the use of facial recognition impacts civil rights and liberties. So an interesting development in the privacy sphere there. I came across a rather interesting report, or rather a page to a report from Kaspersky, this on securelist.com, The Hateful Eight, Kaspersky's Guide to Modern Ransomware Groups, TTPs. Apparently, all you need to do is to fill out this form, and they will send you the report that contains information on the top eight ransomware groups, according to them. And this report is really targeted on the technical side. So not for SMBs, but more for, as they say, SOC analysts, threat hunting teams, cyber threat intelligence analysts, digital forensic specialists, and cybersecurity specialists that are involved in incident response and those sorts of activities. Sounds very interesting. The technical part of me wanted to learn more. So I signed up for the download, which was kind of an interesting process. It almost looks like that you have to add a comment to download. And I did so, and I have yet to receive any more information from Kaspersky as far as how to download the actual report. So I can't give any more update there. And then finally, I did want to give a little bit of an update about something that I spoke about before, which was that offensive security was conducting over the course of the next few months a Kali Linux training course, free, completely online, the caveat being only that they weren't recording it for those who are non-payers of the course itself, which I think is course 200, I can't remember, but it's basic course. It's pretty interesting. I'll have some feedback on that after the first two sessions this week in 30 seconds. Before jumping into Kali, let me just explain a little bit more for context's sake about how I got to the point where I'm diving more and more into Linux. Now, Linux is not new to me. My first experience with Linux was over 30 years ago. In some ways, Linux has changed, and in some ways, it hasn't. A lot of the basic commands are the same. But I started my dive in there because I wanted to explore an open source GRC, Governance, Risk, and Compliance System, called Aramba. I've talked about that before on the podcast, and I'll probably have more to say on that in a future episode. But the one thing with Aramba is that in order to run it properly, you have to have decent Linux skills. It's just not possible sometimes because you have to upgrade packages. And and that enabled me to dive back into the world of Linux about three years ago or Linux, however you pronounce it. I know that the, since it's Linus Torvalds was the creator, that's supposed to be Linux, but you know, 30 years I've been saying Linux. So that's the way it is for me. I've loved it. I've really reignited my inner geek, if you will, and have gone further in exploring and then came to the point of finally wanting to look more into Kali. Now, a lot of the tools that are in there are really much more sophisticated versions of some of the things that I remember working with back in the day, certainly Nmap and 
Um, a certain vulnerability scanning uh, Nessus used to be free back in the day. And yet there's obviously been improvements on how it's done. And I very much enjoyed it. But I also realized that if I'm going to go down this path, I probably should have a better base as opposed to I've never done any sort of formal training in Linux or any tools. These are just things that as I grew in the field, I just sort of developed my own because back in the day, there really was not training for it that you just sort of learned on your own. We had the first two one hour sessions this past week, and I found them very beneficial, even though I'm sort of passively listening to it. And more so maybe passively now, because the first two sessions, at the very least, are really starting from the beginning, not even talking about any tools, just talking about some of the most basic commands in Linux, as far as file manipulation, um, information manipulation, pipe, grep, cat, those sorts of things. And a lot of this, I've, again, I've known for, for many, many years, and some of it I'm not terribly proficient at, so it it was interesting to see, and some of it was igniting some old neurons in my mind about, oh, yeah, I remember that now. Anyway, I find this very useful, and I think that if you haven't looked into this yet, it's uh, if you can attend it at the time that it's being presented, I would highly recommend it. Now, the reason why they're not recording this is that I I believe that it's supposed to be according to what they said in the beginning, that it's a, a, a test idea that they're trying, but at the very least, it's a way to expose folks like me who are not enrolled in any of the courses there for OSCP to get some idea of what the courses actually cover. So I don't know, maybe after doing this for a bit, I'll go ahead and actually sign up and get certified. It certainly would be a kind of a fun thing to do. And maybe in some ways I'm seeing my career come full circle. I started out techie and maybe the end game is that I will end techie after a nice little journey through the whole admin and risk management portion of information security. That's it for today. I hope you have a great week and stay secure.